Welcome to Homecoming Sunday at Hollywood United Methodist Church. I, I can't tell you how beautiful your vaccinated eyes look from this vantage point. Uh, we do ask that you keep your mask on at all times. I am taking pastor privilege uh, until after I preach, and then I'll put my mask on. Uh, there are some changes to our time together, and welcome to those of you who are joining us online as well. Today, we will not be passing the peace. Uh, we will not be passing the plates, but that doesn't mean you don't need to give. I'm just saying, uh, there will be baskets in the back for you to place if you brought a physical offering to put that in uh, as you leave. There will be coffee in the courtyard, but we do ask that you maintain social distancing. Finally, there is no printed bulletin, but you can get your digital bulletin by just taking out your, the only time I've ever got to say this, take out your smartphone and click on this QR code and you can download the bulletin for this morning. For now, as you are able, wearing your mask, let us stand and sing together. All are welcome.
Good morning. My name is Mr. Kevin, and I am the Director of Children and Youth Ministries. And normally we have all the kids come up and join me up on the steps, but for a while we're going to just have one family at a time. So I'm going to invite the McAnoy kids to come on up and join me up here on the steps. We are, uh, as, um, as I'm waiting for them, you can see that we have our backpacks and school supplies. Thank you so much for those of you that have brought those in. We partner with the Los Angeles Unified School District and their Homelessness Services Organization to make sure that kids who maybe don't have backpacks and school supplies can get those. Gosh, good morning. It's so good to have children on the steps again. So happy to have you here. Okay, then you can sit all in front of me in a line. That's perfect. Um, so I have a question for each of you. I have a basket of fruit here, and I want to see if you can identify the fruit, if you can tell me which fruit it is. Okay, so Evelyn, what kind of fruit is that? Banana. Banana. Excellent. Very good. George, what is that? A lemon. A lemon. Perfect. Okay. It's going to get harder as you get older. I'm just warning you now. Okay. Uh, let's see. Ian, what is this? Apple. Yeah, yes, I so what was the first thing you said? Pear. Pear. And what kind of a pear is it, you know? A red pear. It is a red pear. And it has a French name. It's called like a D'Angelo, somebody? It, yeah, it's a, it's a French, fancy French name, but it's a red pear. So you got it. Excellent. What is it? Danjou? Yeah, there you go. Okay, Danjou. All right, Roisin. Now, it's not an orange. I will tell you that. I know it looks like an orange, but it's not an orange. Do you have a guess? No guess. It's a tough one. It is, I have to get my glasses out. Anybody know what it is in the congregation? Uh, what is it? It's not a tangelo. I forgot it. It is a minola. This is a minola. It's a different kind of fruit. Okay, now it's going to get really hard. You guys can all guess. Who knows what this is? Oh my gosh, I thought that was going to be really hard. And you all... When I looked in the basket. Did you do it right away, Roisin? You're so smart. All right, and my last fruit is this what in the world does it even look like a fruit yes but um i, re I remember um what it is but i can't remember what it's called onion, onion good guess it kind of looks like an onion like it has things you peel so uh let's see what's a clue what is something that flies in the air and breathes fire dragon so what do you think this is called a dragon fruit. There's a dragon fruit. That's right. Excellent. You were going to say that. A, a dragon egg. It kind of does look like a dragon egg, doesn't it? Well, we have all of this fruit here. Why do we have a basket of fruit up here? Well, the reason is because in our children's church, starting today, we are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the writers in the, in the Bible try to describe how we would know that people are living by God's Spirit. And one of the ways that we know that is how they act and how they live and what, they are, what, their, what their personality is like and the way they treat other people. And we look at things like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're going to talk about each of those. We're going to talk about why those fruits are important and how to have those in our lives. So we have Children's Church today. I hope all of the children in the congregation will join us. As soon as I'm done praying, we're going to walk out those steps. And, and I ask all uh, parent, uh, one parent, come with your children today. We're going to have everybody sign in our new sign-in sheets. And also our youth is meeting, our youth group, so 6th through 12th grade. Um, 
again, I think I would need a parent to come with them just for today to sign the information sheet. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll head to Children's Church. Gracious God, we love you and we thank you and we're filled with joy that we could be back in this home together, the home that you have created for us to be inspired, to be reminded, to be grounded, uh, and to be filled with your spirit. May our lives uh, bear fruit of the spirit that results in acts of kindness and love and peace and and gentleness in this world and in our relationships. Thank you for every child here, for the ones that are home watching. Pray your blessings on them and that they would love like you, Jesus, live like you every single day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you now to join us for a time of centering prayer, both here in the sanctuary and at home, to open your heart and your mind to the spirit and its movement in your life um, and to hearing the still voice of God. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful to you this homecoming Sunday for our return to this, your house, our sanctuary, our church. We are grateful to you for seeing faces that we have not encountered in person for almost two years. We are grateful to you for the chance to remember what it's like to be in this sacred space, to hear the music, to share a pew, to hear a sermon in person, to see our children together with us. We are grateful for all the things that have brought us to this place, for the more than 120 years of continuous worship of this community here in the heart of Hollywood. We are delighted by our return and our, our time together after two years, but dear God, I also want to offer special thanksgiving for the past 18 months where we really learned as a church that it's not the building that defines us, but the community that we have built. For giving us the technology and the talent and the commitment of the people of this church to build an online presence, to support one another through one of the most difficult times in our recent history, for the friendships that were made and reborn, 
for the grace that you exhibited for all of us as we move through an extremely difficult time, which we acknowledge is not over. We are grateful for the vaccines, the medical care, and the leadership that has made this moment possible. And we offer all of that work, all of that time, all of that sacrifice to you because it's yours. And we do it out of love and out of our work to fulfill the commitment and the invitation that you have extended to us to build the beloved community. We thank you that we are coming home. This morning we pray for new starts and new beginnings as we continue to shape the future of this church and this community. We are becoming something new and it is exciting and you are in it and driving us and moving us and we are grateful. We continue to pray for our congregation and all of its people. We are grateful for those who worship with us online and those who joined us here in person. And for those who have not been able to find church yet today, we pray that you will bring them peace and grace and let them know that they are loved and missed. This morning we pray for those outside our community in faraway places, for the people of Afghanistan and the continuous struggle that is happening there. We pray for all people there, but especially as you call us to, we name the suffering of women and children, and we pray for their future. We pray for all those impacted by the wildfires which have destroyed homes and properties and taken lives and destroyed natural habitat. We grieve the loss. We know that things can be better and we pray that you will continue to move us and inspire us to be better stewards of the creation you have given us. We pray for the crisis facing Haitians in their home country, a place that has become deeply unstable and difficult to remain in and has led to the exodus over the last two years of thousands of refugees, many of whom find themselves at our southern border in Del Rio where we are ashamed to say they were met with extreme violence. This is not the love that you have called us to give. And our hearts ache at the truth of it. And we pray that each of us will be continued to be guided by you, thinking about what it means to welcome the stranger and to build a community where all are welcome, not just here in our church, but in our cities and across our country, letting us use our prayers and our voices and our letter writing and all the things that we need to do to remember that those who suffer are in need of a friend and you have invited us into deep friendship with all. We are so grateful for you and the love you bring into our life, the new possibility and the way you never leave us, you walk with us through each and every moment. We know that there are many in our congregation who have experienced loss or sickness. And this morning we pray for the Wicker Boys family on the passing of Casey's mother, Mary Ellen. We pray for Becky Lincoln, who underwent surgery on Friday. We pray for the family of Oscar Chacon, a local hotel worker who died of a sudden heart attack on Saturday night and was beloved by many in my community. We pray for the family he leaves behind. We lift these prayers up to you and also those that remain unsaid, both the concerns and the worries, but also the incredible joys and I invite all of you who are gathered here and also online to take a moment of silence, to pray and to offer what is on your heart silently to God.
Dear God, you have heard our prayers. You know them long before we can express them, long before they have words, long before we have the courage to lift them from our hearts to you. You know them because you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live amongst us, to understand what it is to be human and to teach us to love. And he did teach us, and we are grateful for it. And this morning we pray the prayer that he taught us together for the first time in this sanctuary in 18 months. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The last 18 months have been a season of change, growth, struggle, and new experience for all. It hasn't been easy. We have been separated from loved ones by public health orders and by continents. We have missed weddings and birthdays and important moments together, and we have missed our family. We have fought the battle of the pandemic bulge. We've watched all the HBO there is and all the Hulu, and then we moved on to pro sports. Some of us became ill, and some of us lost loved ones. All of us carried a common grief. Yes, we have known fear. We have known isolation and loneliness, and we name it. And we have also experienced the previously unknown joy of 24-hour togetherness with roommates and family as we struggled through the pandemic. But together we have found unexpected moments of new happiness, new hope, new forms of creativity, new ways to serve. We have renewed relationships with others and with ourselves. And the Dodgers won the World Series just for us. Yes! <laughs> for the past 18 months, we have been waiting, haven't we? We've been watching and pacing and praying and sometimes grieving and mourning and learning new things about ourselves. And we are ready once again to come home. We are driven by an overwhelming desire to be back together again.
We are so glad to see you. We are so glad you are here. I have a few announcements for you. Um, uh, in case you haven't met me before, I'm Pastor Bridie, and I have been appointed to this church starting in July, and it's my first time seeing many of you, not just for two years, but for many years <laughs> prior to that. And so I'm so happy to be home with you. So we've got a couple things. Um, Pastor Kathy mentioned that we have moved into the new age, that you can get your bulletin very easily with a QR code, which is great. It cuts down on waste and it cuts down on touching. If you're not able to access your bulletin that way, let's talk to an usher afterwards and we'll figure it out for, for Sundays going forward. But we're really encouraging everybody to use the QR code to limit contact and keep everybody safe. On October 3rd, we will be having the Blessing of the Animals at our sister campus at Harmony Toluca Lake at 11.45 a.m. I'm hoping that my own senior doggy, Honey Bear Buttercups, um, will be there. She's 12 years old, and she had a little bit of a hip problem, so she could use some prayers. On October 10th, our new member class begins at noon in Grant Hall. If you have considered becoming a member, if you have someone here with you that you think would like to be a member, don't be afraid to talk to them and invite them. It's a wonderful process to think about how we get more uh, in, uh, integrated into our congregation and share the wonderful ministry that happens here. And lastly, I want to encourage you to give as generously as you are able to the ministries of this church. The pandemic has been hard on all of us and it has been very hard on our church. Um, we have continued to do excellent, inspiring, and powerful ministry during the pandemic, and we'll continue to do so um, as long as God calls us to, right? Which will be for a long time. Um, and in order to do that, we need your gifts. We need them. And so you can do it digitally. You can do it in all the ways that we have discovered even before we took our break from in-person worship. Or as you leave the sanctuary today, you can leave it in the basket by the door. It's safe, and we will be glad to receive what you are able to offer here. Of course, your presence is wonderful, and I'm so happy to see all of you this morning. Welcome home.
good to see all you guys. Oh my goodness. And praise God, Richard Settle's back. Hey. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> it's not the same without your brother. <laughs> A reading from the Gospel of John 15, 9 through 17. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love one another. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Diana Mountain-Bass, and I'm really excited that Harmony Toluca Lake and Hollywood United Methodist Church are going to spend time this fall studying my new book, Freeing Jesus. Freeing Jesus was a really great book to write during the pandemic. It gave me time to think back about my own journey as a Christian and how I've experienced Jesus in a number of different ways, as friend, teacher, savior, Lord, way, and presence. The book is theological and it's also memoir but mostly it invites you to think about your own story with Jesus over time. And I hope that as you enter into it, that you will discover not only Jesus, but your own heart, and that you might hear where God is calling you next. I hope you'll have a great time together, and I hope that my words will resonate with you take you to places you didn't imagine, and challenge you to see Jesus in new ways. We're grateful to Diana for her introduction into this, our new fall sermon series, Freeing Jesus. Uh, she says the book is theological. It is, but don't let that scare you. It is also memoir, and it is a, a thought-provoking, but not a very difficult read. So download it on Kindle or, or get it into your local bookstore, and I hope you will join us uh, as part of this sermon series in reading it. Now, in the introduction to the book, Diana recounts an experience that she had at the Washington National Cathedral some years ago. She was sitting in one of the side chapels in this exquisite, marvelous space, kneeling at an altar rail, and she was looking up at a triptych of Jesus. And she distinctly heard him say, get me out of here. Now, it's not an experience she shared widely for some time because do you want to go tell someone that you heard Jesus speak to you in words? Hmm. But yet, 
that experience led Diana to ponder what does it really mean to free Jesus up from the baggage that the institutional church has placed on him? What does it mean to free Jesus of the baggage that Christians of many types have placed on him? What does it mean to free Jesus from the bad theology that has caused too many people to buy into the notion that Jesus only wanted a small circle, that he didn't welcome everyone, and by everyone, we mean everyone. How then can we regain a renewed sense of who Jesus is and his power in our life today? So this is now our focus this fall. Now she's defined six different and distinct ways we might have or we currently experience Jesus, all of which we'll be looking at in the weeks ahead. But this morning we're contemplating what for many of us is the first description we ever have of Jesus, one that we learned in Sunday school, that Jesus is our friend. The concept of friendship with God is prevalent in the Hebrew scriptures. Two of Israel's greatest heroes, Abraham, the father of faith, and Moses, the liberating prophet, are specifically called friends of God. In Isaiah 41, God refers to Abraham as my friend, a tradition that carries into the New Testament, which we can find in the book of James. Exodus tells us that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as one will speak to a friend. She then goes on to tell us that Moses married into a clan whose family name was Rule, meaning friend of God. The point is that friendship with God establishes the covenant and that Israel is freed from bondage into a new family forged by friendship through the law given by Moses. Friendship with God is not a biblical side story. Instead, it's central to the promises and the faithfulness of being a called people in which all are companions and intimates and beloved. Now, the early Christians, most of whom were Jews, knew all of this, and they extended this concept of a divine friendship to Jesus. We know how close Jesus was to his disciples and to his friends. The only time in recorded scripture that we know that Jesus wept was at the tomb of Lazarus, who, with Mary and Martha, were definitely his closest friends. Now, in our gospel lesson for this morning, we find Jesus and his friends his disciples, as they were coming to the end of his earthly journey. The 15th chapter of John is part of what's known as the farewell discourses, where John is recording Jesus preparing the disciples for his death and for his resurrection, with, as you can anticipate, mixed results. In these chapters, 13, 14, and 15, Jesus uses Everything in the book, he uses metaphor, direct images, visions, and truisms to try and tell the disciples that his death is imminent. And it's here that we find the statement of faith that Jesus wanted the disciples and us to live by as he was with them and then after he was gone. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The disciples don't really get it because they expected Jesus still at any moment to emerge as a political and a military leader, ready to exert his power to defeat the forces of evil and oppression that they were undergoing. Of course they don't get it because for them, power only came through physical force. 
But Jesus is showing them a new way, a different way of salvation, a new way of understanding God's plan for his kingdom, one in which he sacrifices himself to show the power of peace and God's love. This is God's love. This is not romantic love, but it's agape love, the love that comes from God, the unconditional and self-sacrificing love that Jesus exemplifies. It's a love that looks beyond our own selves, that looks beyond our own fears to care for the needs of others and the world. It's agape love that Jesus meant when he said, we are no longer servants, but friends. Because servants don't know what their master is thinking, but we as friends, we work together. That, beloved, is a radical concept. As a Jesus follower, we know that we have a deep yearning for friendship with others, but we also have a yearning for God's love and relationship with him. In the fourth century, St. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. This deep longing in our hearts is in part a longing for companionship, for friendship with Jesus. Now, between everything that's gone on in the past two years, I'm just going to say there are a few news stories that may have gotten past us. And one that got past me was the story of Connor and Christian from the fall of 2019. A photo of these two second graders went viral. I didn't see it. Connor, a boy living with autism, was going to school alone for the first time. He did okay on the bus, but when he got to the school, it was too overwhelming. So he simply sat down and began to cry. Christian saw Connor and he went to comfort him. And then he took Connor by the hand and he led him inside the building. And Connor told a reporter later that he found me and he held my hand and I got happy tears. He was kind to me. Then he helped me and I was happy. Connor's mother said that Christian is Connor's first real friend. And Christian's mother explained that they have an inseparable bond. Well, Diana, in her book, takes this story to another level. She writes, the picture, picture of Christian taking Connor's hand is, of course, an image of love, but it's also an image of risk. Clearly, it was a risk for Connor in view of whatever he imagined awaited him inside that scary school building, but Christian risked as well. He did not know how Connor would respond. Would Connor use a racial slur against him? Would he hit him? Would he reject his hand? But Christian went ahead anyway, regardless of the consequences. In freedom and in what Dietrich Bonhoeffer once called the cheerful confidence that love, uncultivated, uncalculated, was greater than the risk. And she concludes by saying, if friendship is risky, that it is the risk of a shared journey. Better to go together than to go alone. And in so many ways, that is a wonderful description of Christian community. At its best, the church enables that shared journey, that companionship with God and with each other. The church is called to be a gathering of friends who worship together, who are relationship with each other, who grow together and study together and play together. We are to be a community of people who love each other 
because we need God and we need each other as exemplified by this great gathering of the saints here on Homecoming Sunday. Now, seriously, where else but the church can we do this? Thank you to Terrence Hartwell for, for the drone and for enabling that illustration. Grateful. <laughs> Family, even and especially as this pandemic continues on, for we know it's continuing on, we need to figure out ways to put ourselves out there and offer agape love to the world. As Adam Hamilton once wrote, and cliche as it might sound, the only way to have a friend is to be a friend. And that means putting yourself out there, whatever that means to you. It might mean picking up the phone to call someone out of the blue and ask them to have a socially distanced coffee outside at a cafe. Maybe it's just having a long chat. It might mean volunteering in some capacity moving forward. We are in need of volunteers for the memorial service for Jeff Swenson on October 8th and for the memorial service for Pat Murray on November 13th. So if you are available, send me an email. If you tell me at the door, I will not remember, but please send me an email uh, because we do need folks to help with both of those. Here in our hybrid in-person and online experience of community, maybe it means spending just one more hour on Zoom and coming to my Wednesday night freeing Jesus conversation and chat or Pastor Mark's Thursday night study of the Book of Romans. Here's what it also might mean. Now, pre-COVID, most folks sat in about the same area of the sanctuary every week. I know for some of you, it's been a little bit disgruntling to not be in your seat today. I get it. For me, as I'm re re recalling where y'all used to sit, it's, it's thrown me off too. I'm just putting it that way. But I want to invite you to take advantage of your new perspective and look around you and see who's around, the three pews in front of you perhaps and maybe to the side and once in the back. And decide that wherever you're going to sit in the coming Sundays, wherever you're directed to sit, that's going to be your mission area. If someone new sits there or it seems like they, they don't know what they're doing, be a friend. Tell them hi. Uh, offer them a fist bump or an elbow bump. Uh, if you've seen the same person in the same place for the past three years, find out what their name is, I'm just saying. <laughs> to have a friend, be a friend. And most of all, 
say yes to Jesus when Jesus says, you've got a friend in me. He said these words to the most unlikely of people, to sinners and tax collectors, to outcasts and those who were marginalized. They were all invited to gather around the table as a community. You see, when we accept the invitation to Jesus' dinner party, we're laying down the lives that we used to have in order to embrace a fuller, richer life with Jesus, one that's imbued with love and grace and hope for a more just and peaceful world. In the book, Diana gives the example of the great Howard Thurman, the mystic and later the dean of the chapel at Boston University School of Theology, who was a mentor and teacher of Dr. King. In 1935, Dr. Thurman made a pilgrimage of friendship to meet Mahatma Gandhi. He traveled halfway around the planet to make friends with the great teacher of nonviolence, intuiting that sitting together, listening and learning could change the world. Gandhi explained that the sole force of nonviolence was beneath and through all things. And it was this sole force and this force alone that could break through the unjust structures of racism and poverty and class and allow the brokenness of humanity to heal. The joining together of friends unleashed the nonviolent energy present throughout the cosmos, and that would bring forth genuine freedom and equality for all in the beloved community. The friendship of two changes little, but the friendship of many changes everything. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one friend. And I have called you friends. So family, go forth this day knowing in the words of that old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Free Jesus up to be God's own self outside of the walls of the church. Be a friend to others and give someone happy tears and celebrate this community of faith back together in person and online where Jesus indeed calls us all friends. Amen.
there to... As uh, we prepare to go forth from this place, I want you to thank and how wonderful it is to have our wonderful choir under the direction of the amazing John West. So thank you. <laughs> go forth this day knowing and being assured that God loves you, that God wants to be your friend. So to have a friend, be a friend and be a friend of Jesus. Go forth in peace now to love and serve the world. Amen. Amen.